realizing like suffering is not a part of this. It doesn't have to be a part of this. And like the longer that you wait to address it, the the more suffering is likely going to come because that's what your symptoms are doing. They're, they're messages. I wish I recognized that. My body was telling me you're eating way erratically, way too much sugar. Your whole system is thrown off. You're not living in a way that's aligned with it. And so you're having these symptoms, but even as bad as the symptoms are, you can change this. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. This is episode 192 of the Well Woman podcast, and you are tuning in to learn about healing PMS, PMDD, and mood swings with Jess Hagen. Now, Jess herself, after 17 years of battling an undiagnosed and misdiagnosed hormonal mood disorder, aka PMDD, ran out of options for treatment and dived deep into integrative wellness and healing her own PMDD. Since doing so, she has had a pivotal change and become an integrative health and wellness coach and a fertility awareness method instructor who is now known as the Her Mood Mentor Online. Jess is the absolute wealth of wisdom when it comes to moods, understanding mood disorders, hormonal imbalances, and how we can come back to harmony and balance. And this is why Jess is joining us on the show for this episode as we dive deep into what PMS is, PMDD is, and how we can balance our mood swings. So in this episode, we chat all about the difference between PMDD and PMS, how our hormones impact our moods, when we are actually potentially more susceptible for mood imbalances and disturbances, what we can do to help bring ourselves back to balance, how we can soften our mood swings, reduce our stress, and things we can do to help protect ourselves from menstrual moods. So let's jump into it. Jess, welcome to the show. Hi, Gemma. Thanks for having me. You are beyond welcome. I am really excited to chat about these little juicy topics on the show today around moods and, you know, the good old mood swings that women do like to say they have and experience throughout their menstrual cycle. And you are the chosen one to talk about this topic with us. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, the chosen one. I can talk to you about about mood swings all day, Gemma. Well, this might be an extra long episode. Buckle buckle yourself up. Um, But Jess, before we get into it, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you checking in? How are you feeling right now? Mm, So I'm currently on day eight of my cycle, which is usually a much more high energy day, but you know, every cycle is different and I'm kind of having a slow rise to estrogen this, this go. And I'm just, I'm just riding the wave. I'm not being hard on myself about it. I'm just kind of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. And before we hit record this, we're recording this and it's like, you're entering your full time. So for everyone who doesn't live in North America, this is autumn and, um, mm-hmm. You know, it's natural as you're entering your inner spring of your own cycle. And while you're entering autumn, it's kind of a, a bit conflicting because you're not in alignment with how your cycle feels, right? Mm, I love that. Yes. Yeah. Especially at that crux of the turn of the season, you know, Whew, I think I'm feeling it. It's darker. You're going through two different totally transitions, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. So thank you for checking in with us and sharing with us where you are in the cycle. Now, who is Jess Hagen? Tell us, who are you and why are you the person to speak about moods? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, uh, I am an integrative menstrual health coach and period educator who lived with a very severe and debilitating mood disorder that's related to the cycle called PMDD or premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's a mouthful. I didn't know this was you in the past life. This is exciting. Yes. Oh yes. Well, partially past life, you know, I still, there's no cure for mood disorder, right. But I'm managing it and I've learned to reduce it and live within a completely different way. 
But for that 17 year time period from the start of my first period, whew, it was a rough go, Gemma, <laughs> every month. I mean, it felt like I got hit by a truck, like I was two different people, the depression, the mood swings, the whew, the social isolation. I mean, just a cacophony of negativity that comes with any mood disorder and PMDD is not unique. So yeah, I kind of went through that for 17 years and I had a turning point where the allopathic treatment protocols weren't working for me. And some of them were even exacerbating them. And I kind of hit a rock bottom after taking hormonal birth control, which sometimes can make this condition worse, but mm. no one tells you that. Ooh, I like that topic. Yes. And they were like, you should just stay on it. It's going to take three months. And I was like, I will die in three months. I will be dead if I stay on this medication. Cause I went from 14 days of suicidal ideation to a full month, um, wow. which is a symptom of PMDD. So at that point, I kind of was like, okay, I cannot continue to live like this. This is unacceptable. This is not normal for me to spend half of my month literally trying to survive. Um, so I started finding another way, which included education and making some lifestyle changes. And in three months, Gemma, I had my first ever symptom-free period. What? In three months? That's amazing. Three months. That was not, I was, I didn't even know that existed. So I was not trying to achieve that. But when that happened, it was a real game changer for me where I was like, okay, here we go. Buckle up your seatbelt. We are changing career paths and we're helping other people with this because this thing that almost killed me, I like disappeared for you know, at least one month at that point. Mm. So kind of a kind of big history there, but to just sum it up in a quick little bit for you. <laughs> what a potent journey that's really yes. like changed your trajectory of, you know, you mentioned your career, but your passion and mm. also your overall well-being. Because I can mm. imagine life is very, very different for you now. It is completely different things so many things that I never thought were going to be possible to me. I never thought I could have a relationship. I never thought I could buy a home or have a homestead or my own garden because I couldn't keep a job. I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing in my dreams were never going to be possible because of how debilitated I was by this disorder that I didn't even know how to name at the time. Um, but once I kind of changed my mindset, changed the way I was living, and was able to reduce and manage those symptoms. I'm married. I own a homestead. I have my own garden. I went back to school. I mean, so many things. Like it was a real reckoning for my entire perception of reality. Because when something becomes possible that you fully believed wasn't, then what? You know, you have to question everything. Big paradigm shift. Big paradigm Big shift. Big exactly. paradigm shift. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot of women menstruators who are listening to this who can definitely resonate with you being, oh my God, I don't feel like, you know, I'm living to my full potential and I feel, I don't like using the word debilitated, but crippled or debilitated. Mm -hmm. Neither mm -hmm. of them are great words. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They don't, they're not positive words. Let's, let's say mm -hmm. that, but women menstruators can feel like that in different times mm -hmm. of their cycles. And like you mentioned, sometimes all cycle long. And mm -hmm. a lot of us just take that as, oh, well, this is just normal. This is just part of the deal of being a, a menstruator, right? Like this is how we all live, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm -hmm. But I think what we can look at before we go into the topic is it's very common and it's common because a lot of people experience it, but that doesn't make it normal. Mm -hmm. So when we understand that it's common, we're like, okay, how do we learn more about this so that we can work as a team with like me and my body is a team and then me and the people who can support me are a team. How can we start mm -hmm. working as teams to best support ourselves? So tell us, for those listening, what, just a brief overview, what is PMDD? Sure, sure. Some people have never even heard of this. Yes, yes. Um so PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It is a cyclical, chronic reproductive mood disorder. Um, and it's distinct from PMS in a couple of ways. So PMDD is not a hormone imbalance. PMS is a hormone imbalance, right? Similar symptoms. PMS, it, 
PMS is a nuisance, right? It's it's frustrating. It kind of feels ugh, but it doesn't take you out of your life for two weeks. It doesn't debilitate you. Um, then PMS usually lasts like three to five days, whereas PMDD can come online 14 or more days before you bleed. So essentially after ovulation. So a lot of times this gets missed because it's so far before what people think of as premenstrual mm. that, you know, they're like, how can I be, how could 14 days or more before my cycle be related to my cycle? But it's completely related. It's totally related. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I, I love that you mentioned that the difference between hormonal and non-hormonal and mm. everyone who listens to this show regularly knows that I don't like PMS. I like to call it cycle signs because they're just the messages your mm. body's giving to you. And so listening is mm-hmm. really important and PMDD is one of those signs. It's just like, hang mm. on, this doesn't fit. And it doesn't feel normal in your own body. Like you're like, hang on, this doesn't mm. feel normal. So why are we allowing society to tell us it's normal to feel like that? And um, mm. I always explain to, to clients and I love doing this in a physical ex- um, example. Like I stand up when I do my workshops and I literally walk my way around the room, pretending that I'm walking my way through my cycle. And I mm. love getting to ovulation and post ovulation because I describe ovulation like the party. It's kind of like the party mm-hmm. of the year. You've spent, you know, two months planning it. You've invited all your friends, all the decorations up, and then no one fucking shows up. Mm-hmm. And then when no one shows up, how do you feel about yourself? Of course, you're going to feel like shit. Like you've spent two weeks preparing for this peak of ovulation and this grand eruption of the egg being released from the follicle into the ovary, entering the fallopian tube. And it's like, and there's no people for the party. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, of course, there's going to be a big shift if you're not aware of that. And I call that the first void that we really experience. Mm-hmm. And for those who, are at that level of PMDD that's the starting phase isn't it Mm, I love that I love that analogy as well yeah I mean it's tough because with PMDD so many people have hormone imbalances I read a statistic today that was like 75 percent of females experience daily symptoms from hormone imbalance. Now we're going to talk a lot about hormones and moods and all of that in this talk, but every day, that's a huge portion. And 90% of people are experiencing some premenstrual symptoms. That's the statistic. So you can be experiencing PMDD and have a hormone imbalance. And so there's some mindset stuff that gets mixed up in the PMDD community where people say, oh, well, because PMDD in a hormone imbalance, it's a reaction to your hormones fluctuating. It's a, it's a really like negative reaction to that normal fluctuation. There's nothing you can do to address it. Okay. I'm on the boat with you. Every symptom that your body is presenting, whether it's cycle related or not, is a message telling you feedback about how your body systems are working. And you shouldn't ever be crippled or like completely taken out of your life by any symptom, right? Especially premenstrual symptoms, because your whole, whether you like it or not, your whole body's purpose in its mind is to reproduce. That is what it's here to do. That's what it wants to do. All its functions are aligned with that cause. And so it's not normal in any way to be suffering. And the, the common and normal conversation, I think just perpetuates menstrual stigmas by continuing to shove that under the rug without zooming out and be like, wait a second, like, let's think about what we're saying here and what we're accepting Mm. as normal for us. Mm. Because it really, it really impacts your quality of life. Totally. So powerful. And not just yours, but your family, everyone around you, your relationship with your children. I mean, the effects don't stop at you. It's, it's reverberating through society. I mean, yeah, you're spot on. You're so spot on. <sighs> so everyone who's just listening to this, this is a really good opportunity to just think about, okay, what is it that I experience in my cycle? Is this something that is really common or is this normal? You know, and the example I always like to give with that is that it's normal to feel dullness in your uterus when you're menstruating. So a bit of a hair, it's mm-hmm. kind of like you're wearing 
a slightly weighted bum bag. Some places call them fanny bags, but we'll call it a bum bag, even though it doesn't go on your bum. But anyway, a, a slightly weighted bum bag. And for your body to feel a little bit bloated, your uterus like doubles in size when you menstruate. So they're very normal cycle signs, very normal mm-hmm. cycle signs, mm-hmm. heavy, excessive period pain, um, sharp stabbing pains at that back pain, clots, heavy, heavy flow. They're things that are common, but not normal. So let's just explore that for yourself. Um, so first question I'd love to ask you is, how do our hormones actually impact our mood and do they impact our mood? This is such a good question, Gemma. And so many things to say, you know, yes, 100%, you know, fact, your hormones impact your mood. I think what people kind of forget when we're talking about hormones is that hormones isn't just, hormones are not just about gonadal hormones or sex hormones, right? Estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. Like it's not just about these hormones that are coming from the HPG axis. There are hormones that regulate your body temperature. There are hormones that make you tired. There are hormones that wake you up. There are hormones that make you feel hungry or make you feel satiated. You know, there's so many hormones, even serotonin, dopamine, those neuromodulators, oxytocin are hormones. So it's a huge interlinking conversation that you really have to kind of zoom out and take into account your entire anatomy, your entire physiology. And the fact that it's none of it is distinct, you know, it's all working together. And so depending on how stressed you are, that's going to have a direct impact on your hormone production, which is going to have a direct impact on how you feel. And there's an evolutionary process built in for that, you know, as a female specifically, I'm talking about, right. It's not going to be advantageous for you to reproduce during a famine or during war, right? So pandemics. So it's going to shut ovulation down. And if you shut ovulation down, I mean, it's going to impact how you feel. I mean, there's no way to, to separate hormones and how you feel. It's the same thing. Hormones are how you feel. They control every thing in your body from how every single cellular function is being played out to how your organs are, you know, working to the hormones they're putting out to the hormone receptors that they're receiving. Like it all it's all there. There's no, Mm. can't separate it. I love the earlier you mentioned about and correct the stat because I'm just repeating what you said. Mm. 75% of women experience some form of like PMS or cycle sign from a hormone imbalance. Is that right? Is that what you said? Daily symptoms due to hormone imbalances. And going off what you've just said, And I know that women have and produce over 40 different types of hormones. So let's just recap Mm. for over 40 different types of hormones. So what happens is that all of a sudden when we're hormonal, we're not just thinking of like, oh my God, my estrogen is like way too high this cycle and I'm not producing any progesterone. We're actually looking at all the hormones then. all those hormones come from the endocrine system. And I love that you brought up stress, stress, oh, that rhymes, stress, stress, (laughs) Um, because, (laughs) because when you think of stress, you can't escape stress. And, you know, our body is designed to just do one thing. And that's just to keep you alive, keep you safe, keep you feeling Mm -hmm. fully supported, keep you not dead, like literally. And Mm. if that means not having a baby, which means not ovulating, which means that, Hey, we really need to focus on your nervous system or your digestive system or your circulatory system or your respiratory system more so to keep you alive than your reproductive system like mm-hmm. the reproductive system takes backseat it's like buddy you're mm-hmm. at the back mm-hmm. of the bus <laughs> you're not getting yep. off first. Mm-hmm. so that's a really good explanation of how hormones can massively impact our mood so how do hormones really impact our overall mental state like what contributes in our life to changing the mental state to i guess you could say inhibiting maybe pms or bringing on pms um yeah. Talk to us about that. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. So 
there's kind of like, it's like a chicken or the egg kind of conversation in some senses, right? So thoughts create feelings. And if you kind of go down that road and you let feelings become emotions, become reactions, right? You're playing out potentially a downward spiral that is creating a cascade of neurological events from that feeling, from that thought, from, you know, your reaction. So let's do the example of stress again, because it's just like such a solid one, right? If you're feeling stressed, you're putting out stress hormones, you know, there's a cascade of neurological changes that are going to happen. And that is going to be impacting your hormones, which is going to impact your mental state. But on the same turn of the coin, if, you know, you're really working on that HPA access regulation, you are doing um, relaxation response techniques, you're managing your stress, you're coping, that's going to change the way that even if you do have that type of reaction to your feelings, your thoughts, all of that, you can kind of change the trajectory. So that's one conversation, but then there's this other conversation where it's like exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals, gut dysbiosis, insulin resistance, your sleep quality. Like, obviously we're talking about stress. All of that is going to be playing into your mental state, which is going to impact your hormones. Right. So it's really all the same conversation rather than like this causes this, that does happen, but that causes the, you know, it's all just a a revolving circle of feedback because your hormones are chemical messengers. So they're sending out information, your body's responding back and forth and back and forth. So powerful. I think (laughs) I love that you mentioned, is it it the chicken or is it the egg? Because it goes to the question like, okay, do moods affect our hormones or can hormones affect our mood? And what you're saying is both is possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's never just, there's no rules. This is a lot of us live in this patriarch, patriotic world where we think, okay, well then this comes first and then this, and then that. It's like mm-hmm. technically in our cycle, yes, the follicle has to mature and then it has to erupt and release the egg for us to ovulate. Like that is a mm-hmm. sequence of events that does have to occur in that method um, mm. or process. But when it comes to the grander scheme of our health and our moods and our overall hormones, there's so many external factors that impact our internal factors. Yeah, you, it, they're inextricably linked again, right? Mm. Your diet, I mean, nutrition is a huge part of it. And that's good news actually, though, because then you have so much power to change your experience. If it happened in this more like linear fashion, I feel like you would have less options when it's kind of this circular thing. You get a choice of where you're going to start to work first, as far as addressing those symptoms based on what your specific symptom is. Completely. I think it's hopeful. It's wholesome too, to think. Mm okay, so I could do a little bit over here with how I move my body and I can do a little bit over here with how I eat and I can do a little bit over here with my sleep routine and I can do a little Mm. bit here with better managing my stress levels or my Mm -hmm. reaction to stress levels. So it's not about doing a complete overhaul. You know, what's the TV show where they come in and they bulldoze the house and then within like five days, they build a whole new house. I remember watching this show years ago. I haven't had a TV in like 12 years. So it was a very long time ago. But um. You, know, you can't just do that with your health over like overnight mm. because it's not sustainable long-term and as cyclical beings, particularly as menstruators and born women, we're designed to live cyclically. So we're designed to like have little implementations and just focus on that. Once you get that really well, and you know how to have that in your day every day, then add mm-hmm. something else and then add mm-hmm. something else. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, what's a good example, trying a new supplement, don't go and try five new supplements, maybe try one or two and just mm-hmm. focus on that as the change. Mm-hmm. Do that for a few months and then, okay, what else can I do? Um, because when you go to change everything, you just, it's so unachievable long-term because you're, you can't, it's just too much to change. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. It is. It's really, it's not necessary. And you also aren't able to tell what, which part of what you're doing is creating what effect when you're throwing it all. But I think a lot of times people, there's like some mindsets that come with it where it's like, 
I feel so bad. How could working on improving my gut health or working on my sleep, you know, sleep hygiene or moving my body in a different way that's more aligned with my cycle? Like, how could those little changes make such a big impact? But I promise you, they do. Mm -hmm. And that is the good news. And it's really unnecessary for anyone to just become overwhelmed that they have to change everything. Cause that's, it's just not necessary. You don't have it's to change just everything. More stress. It's more stress. There's no need to be restrictive. There's no need to, to take that, take that on at all, because that's not what this is about. It's really just like, choose the lowest hanging fruit that you can move towards and just do that one thing. One totally. small change can make a huge impact. Massive impact. Like imagine if we all just had a better breath so we focused mm. on you know nostril breathing and mm. diaphragmatic breathing just that mm -hmm. and it's free it doesn't cost you anything <laughs> it's free <laughs> um yes yeah, so there's free, so yeah. there's so much that we can do and I think the underlying message here is like keep it simple stupid because when you make it complicated you overcomplicate things and our health mm -hmm. actually is quite simple and a lot of us just get really confused. And I think the greatest thing I've noticed when you were like, but it does work, like it really does work, is that when, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. It's been like, what is it, eight years now working with the cycle and helping women track their cycle and whatnot, right through to fertility. So the, the biggest thing I've noticed is that women who have, you know, pre-menstrual, so that late inner autumn oh my God, I just want to kill everybody in my life. Everyone's really in my way and they're irritating me. Just don't talk to me and stop looking at me. They start mm -hmm. to recognize like, oh, actually every day on day 25, I kind of feel the same emotion. Mm -hmm. And so they start to recognize the cyclical nature of their moods. And mm -hmm. by recognizing that this and feeling more into their body, they understand, okay, what can I do to best support that? What can I do ahead of time to be like, all right, I've got, always too much on my plate around day 25, 20, 26. I'm going to ask my friends to come over and cook me dinner, or I'm going to mm -hmm. like get takeout that night, or I'm going to ask my mm -hmm. partner to cook, or I'm going to be like, go to my family's house or get them to bring a meal over or order a pre-made meal from a local home delivery meal service. There's so many mm -hmm. different things you could do to support yourself when you have the knowledge and knowing of when you have reactiveness or changes in your cycle. Mm. That was a bit of a yes. <laughs> I love it. No, but it can be so predictable. And that that predictability, you don't get that predictability with mm. other mood disorders, right? That's one gift of the cycle is that you can really discern your pattern and you need to because then it guides you forward into how to change your experience if you're not liking it, right? Exactly. So predictable. And you can prep. It's all about preparing yourself before you get there. Once you determine what your pattern is. I mean, it's so empowering. It really is. People prepare for parties all the time, like preparing to have like the best wedding, the best party, mm -hmm. the best holiday. I'm like, what if you just prepared for your cycle? Like, is that really too much to ask for your own health and well-being long-term? Okay. I'm going on a rant. Um, <laughs> so, whoa, back Gemma. So a question I have for you, Jess, is what are the most susceptible mood imbalances in our cycle and what throws them off the most and when in our cycles? That's three questions in one. So mm. what are the most susceptible moods? What throws them off the most and or like the triggers for the moods, you could also say. And then the third one is what time of our cycle are we naturally going to experience normal mood changes and how can we know about that well I feel like as far as what are the most you're probably gonna have to remind me by the way um, of some of those <laughs> questions but the most susceptible moods you know I I don't know that it's just kind of like yes some people are irritable some people have emotional sensitivity I see it kind of fan in two different ways there as far as the mood changes. Some people get really angry, really irritable, really ragey, like stabby energy. Um, and then some people kind of tend towards more of the crying spells, social isolation, which can come with irritability too, but more of that high emotional sensitivity. 
but really it can change back and forth with the same person. It can change um, throughout your life as you're moving through the reproductive continuum, which we're going to talk about in that third question. Um, so the thing to take away really is the most susceptible moods are going to be unique to you. So usually there isn't like a bunch of different symptoms people experience, right? They usually, people usually have their five or so. These are my most challenging symptoms. They're the most reoccurring, you know, it ebbs and flows because obviously everything does, but I always have this or that or that, or I used to have that. Now it's morphed into this. So it's really unique to you as far as what you're most susceptible to, right? The body systems are the same, um, you know, but genetically and what you're exposed to in your environment are going to be different. So it's, it kind of just depends on you specifically, which mood symptoms are going to be the most difficult for you. So you're kind of saying that our moods are as unique to us as our irises or our handprints. Yeah. Yeah, they are right. Because you're unique. The the way, the reason you are, the way that you are is unique. There's so many factors playing into that in your external environment, but also internally, genetically. And, um, you know, that's the most empowering thing for you is to recognize, okay, I really struggle with automatic negative thoughts. That's like one of my hardest. It's cyclical. It starts on day, you know, 24. Okay. I know that about myself. Now I have this awareness. Now what's the plan, Mm. you know, or same thing with just mood swings or rage, you know, that's coming out at my partner or my children, right. Gaining the self-awareness for you is what matters. It doesn't matter what's happening with me. Totally. (laughs) You're not going to do anything about what's happening with me. I got to do something about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like we're responsible for our reactiveness and our responsiveness. And I think one of the best things before you move on to the next question that anyone who's listening and everyone on the planet could possibly do is just check in every day. Okay, how was I feeling today? What were the top three moods or emotions that I felt today? And write them on your cycle tracker. It's so Mm -hmm. simple to do. It's also so simple not to do. But by doing that, you can really start to see the pattern of your own moods. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. Thank you. So mm-hmm. the second question, do you remember what the second mm-hmm. question is? Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Help. SOS. Um, <laughs> second question was when do they most occur in our cycle? Or maybe that was the third question, but yeah. When do they most, like, when are we mm-hmm. to expect natural shifts in our mood in our cycle? Okay. So there appears to be a very clear protective quality that estrogen has on the brain, especially if you experience ADHD symptoms or depression or anxiety or OCD, certain things like this are going to likely become exacerbated premenstrually. And that is because of this protective effect that estrogen has. So as far as this cycle goes, you're probably going to notice symptoms premenstrually. Now, maybe that's depending on how, oh my goodness, there's so many things to say. She's like, I don't even know where to start, Gemma. How do I start this? (laughs) (laughs) There's that. But some people, you know, are sensitive to high estrogen, especially if you're having a hormone imbalance. So maybe you're going to feel some of those symptoms um, when you're ovulating. Sometimes people are really uncomfortable with that ovulation energy. There's more anxiety, right? And that can be a sign of hormone imbalance or it could be a sign that you're sensitive to hormones. So that's something else too, where depending on how sensitive your body is at any given time to the rise and fall of those natural fluctuations, you're going to notice mood symptoms during that rise and fall. Now you can do things to mitigate that sensitivity, which is what working with PMDD and what I do is all about, right? But you also can't just deny the hormone imbalance conversation because it's just so prevalent. And I got to say this, okay? You don't balance your hormones and check the box and move along and they're done and it's done, done and you move on. It's a lifestyle. You, It's like making your bed every day. You have to make your bed or it's like eating food. Every day you have to eat food. It's never done. Balancing your hormones is the same way. You, 
you got to just do it and do it and over and over. And there's going to be times where it doesn't matter how, you know, how it's going, how well you're achieving that lifestyle. There's this thing called the female reproductive continuum. Okay. And we all are going to move through it regardless, right? There's different stages that some of us might not experience like pregnancy or pregnancy loss or breastfeeding, but that's another time when inevitably you are going to be susceptible to hormone imbalance or moods that are coming with the fluctuation and the increased sensitivity with your hormones because you're going through these massive transition periods, puberty, menarche. We did that, right? You remember how that was? <laughs> yeah, I remember my teen tween years. Uh-huh. I wish I could block them out, but I remember. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're coming around again too with perimenopause and menopause or birth, you know, pregnancy, birth, pregnancy loss, postpartum, breastfeeding. It's a whole new world. <laughs> and um, I think for everyone who's like hearing this kind of concept for the very first time, is that yes, we are cyclical beings as born women for pretty much the extent of our life. And there are 13 different cycle transitional phases we can go through. And people are like, what? Isn't there just like you're menstruating or you're not menstruating and you're pregnant or you're not pregnant? Is that, isn't that just it? But there are a lot. And I always love to say, Jess, that how you enter menarche really impacts how you leave through menopause. And so the more we get to know our own cyclical nature and the ebbs and flows of those hormones, the more we can actually understand that we are like the ocean. This is my analogy I love to share is that some days, like I live on the Gold Coast, for those who don't know, and the Gold Coast is like one of the top favorite surfing spots in the world. And some days the ocean is a bay. It is flat. Like it is just so straight. You can see the water curve at the edge of the Pacific, you know, where the <laughs> horizon disappears. And other days it is like 15 foot crazy surf. And you're like, you can't even stand in the water without it sucking you from underneath. Mm -hmm. Same beach, same ocean, totally different expression. And we mm -hmm. are like that. We are like nature. And I love that you mentioned about estrogen earlier, because I like to think of estrogen as like the glow hormone. You know, mm -hmm. women always like, well, are you pregnant? Because you're glowing. I'm like, it's, you know, that estrogen and <laughs> estrogen, when we notice those ebbs and flows at the tail end of our cycle, there is a little bit of estrogen that our corpus luteum produces and then it drops. And it's very common around that time, which is what you were saying. They're like, it's mm -hmm. like, oh shit. It's like getting at the top of the roller coaster. You're like, fuck, I have to get down still. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love that. This episode is proudly sponsored by the Yoni Pleasure Palace. You see, mess is an unavoidable part of sex and self-pleasure. However, not all of us like sleeping in a big wet patch. Am I right? So if your sex cell is just not cutting up, fear not. The Yoni Pleasure Palace has created the leak-proof splash blanket. Yes, it's also affectionately known as the squirt blanket. You see, squirt blankets are 100% waterproof and oh so ridiculously cozy. With a luxurious velvet texture, the blankets are vegan, lightweight, double-sided, and can hold up to a liter of liquid. These blankets not only protect your beds, but also eco mattresses, couch covers, car seats, tents from your juicy gushes. They also give you peace of mind and ability to fully relax during intimacy and to let the floodgates open. Founder of Yoni Pleasure Palace, Rosie Rees, says that these blankets are a psychological sex toy. When women feel more comfortable to let go during sex or self-pleasure, they naturally become more orgasmic and sexually expressive. So head over to yonipleasurepalace.com to learn more and use the code GEMMA10 to save 10% off. How can we soften our mood swings? So when we experience shifts and changes in our moods, how can we embrace those and soften the harshness that some people do experience with their ups and downs of their mood swings? I'm loving this mm. conversation, by the way. Oh, thanks, Joe. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, there's a lot to say about this. I think the first step, right? And I, I'm going to guess you're going to agree with me here, but let me know. 
you gotta learn what's happening in your body. If you don't know what's going on, you're just out at sea without a paddle. Like where, where are you going? What's happening? Shocks and crocodiles. (laughs) Like you have, you have no compass. You can't, you can't determine if what you're experiencing falls within that normal or healthy category, even right. You don't know what body systems are playing into how you feel. And maybe some people aren't like this, but I'm very much always trying to get to the root of, okay, why is this happening? What are some contributing factors? Obviously we don't live in a black and white world, so it's never just one thing, but I want to have that background knowledge about what the processes in my body cause to happen in my mind. What is the link, right? And the cycle is such a great place to start there because there's so much juicy information and it's really empowering and exciting and we never learned this stuff so it's about damn time I'd say right totally. so there is a great place to start then tracking and mapping your symptoms like we talked about and I have a free download for this it's called the premenstrual symptom mapper oh I love this Sim- yeah so symptom mapping and cycle tracking are not the same thing um definitely cycle track, right? We want all the information we can get, but symptom mapping is about picking out those five or so primary symptoms and mapping on the calendar on a chart, how severe they are when they're starting, how long they're lasting. So you can get a pattern on your moves, right? And once you have that and you can overlay it with your cycle data, you can really glean a lot of information about, okay, now, what are the next steps? Because the next steps, you know, they're kind of the same. There's only so many ways to support your reproductive health, but they're going to be, you're going to want to tweak them based on what your symptoms are. If you're dealing with breast tenderness, okay, let's deal with that. But if automatic negative thoughts are really tr- troubling for you or depression, you know, we're not going to talk about breast tenderness first. So there's that. And then I think you just can't deny what I call the seven core areas of hormone health, right? And the first one, if I was going to, if you said, okay, Jess, cut it out, just give me one thing. Just cut the bullshit, really, Jess. Just tell me yeah. what I have to do. <laughs> just one <laughs> no, thing. If I everyone, tell, this is great knowledge. <laughs> if I could only tell you one thing, which you know, I don't want to do because I have so many things to tell you. But if I had to tell you one thing, I would say, focus on the nutrition core area because in the nutrition core area, you are going to address your systems of elimination. You have to, you have to detox excess estrogen. If you're reabsorbing excess estrogen into your bloodstream as a free radical, your mood swings are going to be wicked. Okay. Non-negotiable that biological equation, this equals this, and that's that. Okay. So focusing on nutrition can help you with that, but also insulin resistance or imbalanced blood sugar, another biological equation, which insulin is a hormone, by the way. FYI. Um, (laughs) So if you want to talk about hormones impacting your mood, insulin is like the one, the main one, right? If your insulin levels, if you're, if you're experiencing, you know, insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity, you are going to have terrible mood swings and, you know, cool body gossip period fact in the premenstrual phase, in that luteal phase, you're more susceptible to imbalanced blood sugar levels because of all the other stuff that's going on in your system. Yeah. hundred percent. You need more calories, right? So that's going to lead to, um, some blood sugar issues. So if I was going to say one thing, it would be focus on the nutrition core area, specifically balancing your blood sugar, but also clearing out estrogen. That's like a whole conversation we could get into, but I'm not going to tangent here for your sake, Gemma, because I know you know what I'm talking about. And for everyone else who's like listening, it's like, come on, tell me, I want to know. There is lots of information with this, lots of other episodes that we do talk about estrogen and, and food specifically, but this is a really important point. I always like to think that, you know, poo is so important because if you don't shit, you die. You can die mm-hmm. by not shitting. And, you know, we all shit and it's one mm-hmm. of the most common things. We are birthed and we start shitting and we do it our whole life. 
And when we don't have a good flow through our digestive system, it works the same way as our mental space. I like to think as above, so below. So whatever's going on in your mind, if you're really scattered in your mind, your shit is going to be scattered. Maybe not like mm-hmm. physically, but like your, <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. the rhythm of your shit or how you shit might be a little bit more scattered. Your digestive system will be scattered and your emotions and moods are the same. So if your physical cycle, I'm talking about your menstrual cycle. So your physical menstrual cycle is imbalanced and, you know, out of sorts, it will affect the brain and the the emotions and the mindset that comes from that. And so that's where obviously PMDD can come in and we can talk about that of course, a whole another episode, but I love that you mentioned it. It's so simple food and like burgers don't fly in your mouth, people. You have to place them there. So what are we placing in our mouths and what can really, really benefit us? So food's the first one. Then you also hinted that there was a seven step thing or seven top seven mm. things. So food yeah. nutrition's the first one. What are the other six? Mm-hmm. Movement, right? So specifically for hormone health, right? You know what I'm talking about here. You want to move different ways, depending on which phase of your cycle that you're in, that's that's going to best support you, right? So getting into that conversation and just getting more movement overall can really alleviate a lot of these symptoms because movement creates endorphins, other hormones that make you feel good, (laughs) right? And on and on and on. So you got to Got to address the movement. We're moving less than ever before. And that doesn't have to be like strapping on your yoga pants and your, you know, running shoes, like power clean your house, right? Hulu hoop. I'm a big hula hooper. You can't ha- be in a bad mood and hula hoop at the same time. It is not possible, right? And that's full body workout. I there are a lot of things that you can do. Yeah, that are fun movement, dancing, you know. Um, sleep is another core area. Got to address sleep. It's the only, some of, for some of us, it's the only time that our parasympathetic nervous system is coming online, which is not okay. So, but you want to make sure you're getting seven to seven to nine hours a night is kind of like that optimal range for hormone health. Some of us need more, hopefully you don't need less because that's going to lead to blood sugar imbalance and mood symptoms less than seven hours, but sleep environment, right? And of course we want you to feel safe and comfortable in your environment. That's part of it, but also exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals is really what I dive into in the endocrine disrupting or in the environment core area, because they're everywhere and it doesn't matter how hard you're, you're working to make all these other changes. If you're slathering your skin with toxic phthalates that are absorbed directly into your bloodstream, you're going to have hormone imbalance. It's another one of those biological equations, phthalates equal hormone imbalance equal bad mood. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, and then resilience, which is all about how you address stress, have fun, practice relaxation, right? Use healthy coping skills. That's all about stress. We got to dive deep into stress and learn how to reduce it, but also manage it in a way that it's not creating that kind of downward spiral hormonally, which every single one of us struggles with this area. There's no way around it living in the modern world. So that's a really big one. We spend a lot of time there Um, and learning specific relaxation response techniques that do trigger the parasympathetic nervous system. So you're not just relying on it when you sleep or you're not just relying on it to like, Gemma, sit down and meditate and good luck. But like, if you don't, you know, trigger the parasympathetic nervous system, you're pretty much just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. So maybe do one of those exercises that's evidence-based to trigger the parasympathetic nervous system. Instead, if you struggle with accessing that through meditation. Um, Relationships is another core area. And that of course is all about your relationship with other people, setting boundaries, healthy boundaries, but also a big struggle that I see with people is their relationship with themselves actually becomes a major stressor Mm. with the PMDD community specifically. Um, so improving that area, because that's going to impact your symptoms as well. And then the last core area, you know, some of these last ones are a little bit more nebulous, but I call it spirituality, which I know there's probably, probably not here, but other places there's cringe, right? Oh, spirituality. 
Or energetics but is another word you could always use too. You could. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes down to your purpose and meaning. Okay. So religion, purpose and meaning, spirituality, purpose and meaning, feeling like you have purpose and meaning is a game changer for your physiology, right? You need that to self-actualize, to be a functioning human being in society. And we're all really kind of struggling with that purpose and meaning. And unfortunately, trauma can really hinder this area. So we kind of have to address that in this area as well. But those are them, them's the areas. <laughs> That's, my whole life. That's my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I love how particularly the first four produce hormones in our body. And so that's a great place to start. So nutrition, movement, sleep, and environment. Mm-hmm. And I always think when people say environment, I always like, don't touch the receipts at the shop, you know, cause they have estrogen in it or they, you know, produce mm-hmm. estrogen. and, um, you know, so many people don't, that's just one place out of so many. And remember, let's go back to what Jess and I mentioned earlier that start small, just one thing here and mm-hmm. two things, and then, you know, continually changing. This mm-hmm. is a tortoise race, not a hair race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not the hair trying to rush to the finish line of balanced hormones. You're the tortoise who's mastering hormone balance consistently. And you don't then end up caring if you win because it happens naturally and organically. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're, yeah, you're so spot on to those first four core areas. I tell people, look, it doesn't matter how good your relationships are. It doesn't matter how many times you use relaxation response techniques in a day. If you're not eating, if you're not sleeping, if you're not moving your body, you know, if you're going to have symptoms, like it's, it's just the case. And I even go as far as to say with treatment options that people are given specifically for menstrual symptoms like birth control or SSRIs, it doesn't matter how much serotonin you make available to your brain, or it doesn't matter if you shut down your hormones and replace them with synthetic ones. If you're not eating, if you're not moving your body, if you're not dealing with stress, if you're exposing yourself to endocrine disrupting chemicals, you're still going to have symptoms. You can't get you. There's no shortcuts here, babe. Like you gotta do the thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so important to just do the things. Um, And if it feels overwhelming, like get support, like work with someone like Jess or myself who can actually guide you and be like, no, 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 that's not the most important thing for you to start with. Let's start here first. Mm -hmm. The same as like, you know, hiring a personal trainer at the gym, you know, to guide you into like understanding your own movement practice and customizing a practice for you. The same thing is with reaching out for support. Oh my God, I'm loving this chat so much. I have two (laughs) more questions for you. Oh, okay. Um, So next question is, do you have any top tips for managing mood swings, particularly those late in order mood swings before we welcome in our next menstruation? What are your top you know, three to five tips? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to take you to that nutrition core area and I'm going to give you some blood sugar tips here because I think that that is the quickest way for you to see results. So first of all, um, look at your caffeine consumption. If you are drinking coffee before you eat and you're not eating within 90 minutes of waking up, there is a place where you can start taking action and you you can quickly see a change in your mood symptoms. So ideally you would cut back on caffeine intake in the luteal phase. If you're, if you're sensitive to that, a lot of people don't have the gene to process caffeine. And so it leads to anxiety. Anxiety leads to mood swings, leads to, um, imbalanced blood sugar leads to anxiety. It's all, you know, wrapped up Mm -hmm. like that. So aiming to wake up and eat a high protein breakfast that has fiber, fat, and protein within 90 minutes of waking up and then drinking, you know, if you're going to have coffee, choosing a Swiss water process decaf, or if you're going to still go for the caffeine, make sure you do it after you eat your meal. Um, and then focusing on those macronutrients of healthy fats. So avocado, olive oil, coconut oil, cooking, you know, in those things, eating olives, um, even 
if you don't have a problem with dairy eating high quality whole fat dairy i'm not a i'm not one of those people who says no dairy no gluten you know that's not necessary i don't like restriction if it's a problem for you then yeah it's a problem and you should avoid it but if it's not you don't really need to um hold yourself back in ways that aren't serving going to serve you ultimately so many people in the PMDD community struggle with disordered eating habits that come along with hormone dysregulation, right? And so I'm really conscious for myself and others around framing this as a way of like, focus on this rather than you can't do this, rather than focusing on, oh, I can't have coffee first thing, focus on, I get to nourish myself what you can first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Such a good tip. First tip, eating within 90 minutes of waking up high protein, fiber, fats, and ideally avoiding caffeine in that in autumn phase, if possible, going decaf, maybe change it up and make a really beautiful, you know, decaffeinated chai from home. I love making my own turmeric from home that I love Mm. at that time. So that's an awesome first first tip. Yes, definitely replace the habit. You have to have something. So Mm -hmm. second tip, let's see. So I would say Second tip for managing mood swings, you have to move into the resilience core area and you have to look at your stress. So that's a big, big thing to take on. So the first most easy kind of place I would put people is practice relaxation response techniques. Just once a day, do something where you're bringing your parasympathetic nervous system online and start to feel what that feels like so that you can identify it. The parasympathetic nervous system is a relaxing feeling, but it's distinct from fatigue, right? So it's calming, relaxing, um, but you're not necessarily tired. So some evidence-based ways to do that are like progressive muscle relaxation, yoga nidra, autogenic training, um, guided meditation, guided imagery. There's so many options, but really choosing one that actually does the thing, right? And you might have to practice it a few times. Breath work is great. It's free. You don't even have to watch a video. You can just learn it and do it in, in moments. Um, but making sure that you're doing it long enough that you actually are getting to parasympathetic activation. So important. I love that. Anything else you want to add to that? Or is that it that you feel like that's a good sum up? I think that was a lot of things. I love that if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I'm in a mood swing right fucking now. First thing that you can change is tomorrow morning. Even if you have to prepare this today, but tomorrow morning, focus on having the high protein fat fiber meal within 90 minutes of waking up. Even if you're like, but I don't eat breakfast, just try it. Yeah. Mm. You've got to try it before you diss it. Um, and then try changing up the caffeine. And then I love what you mentioned about like dropping into that resilience part or that um, core part that you, of your seven steps is okay. Well, if I'm in a mood swing right now, what can I do later today? That's going to actually help me drop into that beautiful relaxation space. That could be going for a silent walk on, you know, out in nature in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. It could be you know what, I, I'm just going to go to yoga randomly and you go and do that. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just open up YouTube and look up yoga nidra. Um, what can you do later today to help support how you're feeling right now? Don't think, okay, well, next cycle I'll do this. Like don't wait those four to five to three weeks, whatever it is, start today. There's always something you can do straight away. Mm. And it's going to prep you for later. Like you got to be doing these things all month so that you're prepared and it's going to reduce that symptom, but then it's going to help you better manage it because you've already been doing those things. And, you know, it's not super easy to start a new habit, learn something new when you're in luteal, your brain is not primed to do those types of behaviors at that time. So you really want to front load these changes when you're feeling good so that you're able to carry them, reach for them when you need them, not just be like rummaging through your toolbox. Like, I don't know where that tool is. I don't know how to use it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's, that's a really good point because, you know, if you're starting your cycle and you're in your inner winter, so you're menstruating in that time, plan something for yourself on the days that you know that you don't feel 
like you're in a balanced mood. And that might be, you know what, I'm going to pre-plan a massage that day. Or Mm -hmm. maybe it's not a massage. I'm going to pre-plan that, you know, meditation class that I don't really like to go to, but I'm going to pre-plan that. Or I'm actually going to pre-plan at the start of the week to make a bulk of breakfasts that I just have to warm up Mm -hmm. on in a fry pan or in in a stove pot. And maybe that is something that you can do with, well, I don't know, like a black quinoa porridge. I'm just making this up, but sure. you know, so many things, options. Oh, so much. It's not impossible. It's possible when you allow yourself to prepare. So yeah, preparation is the key for success. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks, Jess. All right. For everyone who's listening, I've got one more question, but before we get there, everyone who's listening, cause we are almost pretty much out of time. Love chatting where can they find you how can they learn more about these seven core principles that you have for you know rebalancing your moods all of that stuff to do with your overall hormones how can they meet you where can they stalk you where can they find you? <laughs> oh my gosh oh please stalk me yes um actually i'm really embarrassed about my instagram but you can find me there at her mood mentor i'm the most active and just know every time I post something, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. But I'm always on there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have a website, I have a YouTube channel, I have a TikTok, but I would say I'm most reliably found on Instagram. I just prefer that platform. And that's kind of where I'm able to share the most types of educational content that I want to do. Um, and then as far as working with me, you know, I have a program, it's called PMDD rehab. I specialize in working with people who have severe premenstrual symptoms or PMDD specifically. Most of my clients are experiencing whether the causation be hormone imbalance or true premenstrual dysphoric disorder. The approach is very similar. Um, and so I teach an online program for that. And then I work one-to-one with people. Sometimes I run group programs, you know, and I'm always just chatting with people in the DMs. I, I love, as you can tell this conversation. So I'm having it nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> we could literally keep going. I'm going to keep all of those notes and links in the show notes so people can find you. Her Mood Mentor over on Instagram. Make sure you go check her out. Um, I love all of Jess's reels that she shares. So even though she's like, oh my God, do people even watch this? I don't want to put this out. And she's cringing. (laughs) We are all laughing as she cringes. So thank you so much, Jess. Final podcast question before we wrap Mm. up. We're going to switch gears a little bit. And I'm really interested to hear your response to this. Tell us, I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self so that, you know, young men arc time for yourself. What are three things you wish you had have known then when you started menstruating that you now know today? Mm. Oh my goodness, Gemma could write a book. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, the first thing is, you know, what we started out talking about what's normal and what's not. I wish I would have had education on my cycle. I had no idea. I didn't even know why I got my period. My grandma told me when she was doing my laundry, like I didn't even understand what was happening. And then she was like, oh, this makes sense because you've been really mean to your brother. (laughs) Um, But I wish I would have known that, you know, earlier on my mom identified like this thing that you're experiencing is not, I did not go through this peaks and valleys of mental health Mm. because then I think I could have felt like I could have changed it earlier. So just realizing like suffering is not a part of this. It doesn't have to be a part of this. And like the longer that you wait to address it, the the more suffering is likely going to come because that's what your symptoms are doing there. There are messages. I wish I recognized that my body was telling me you're eating way erratically, way too much sugar. Your whole system is thrown off. You're not living in a way that's aligned with it. And so you're having these symptoms, but even as bad as the symptoms are, you can change this because I lived that 17 years thinking I couldn't have a full life. I couldn't have a relationship. I couldn't go back to school. I mean, I truly believed those things. And had I known that I could have changed it, my entire, I wouldn't be doing this probably, which, you know, silver lining, I'm happy to be here, but my life would have been completely different. I would have so many relationships still that i burned down. I, you know, everything would have been different. 
Mm, wow. It's really so much that you wish your younger self. <laughs> it's always the case. <laughs> oh, if only I'd have known this when I was this age. Um, but so empowering and so beautiful, especially for all those young menstruators who are listening to this. Like, oh, okay, that, you know, I resonate with that and I'm going to take that little bit of knowledge on board. So Jess, thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing mood wisdom with us and um, <laughs> and being here and dedicating some time to share with the Well Women community. Yes, thanks for having me, Gemma. I'm so happy to be here and it was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.